Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 166, Equinox, a science fiction book with Ham Radio, recorded live on Thursday, May 23rd, 2019. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by author D.M. Barrett. N4ECW, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, we were live in Dayton, bringing you the last-minute details about Hamvention, and uh, hope you've uh, recovered. It's taken a, a couple of days to, to get everything back in place and caught up on all the email and and all that kind of thing, but uh, finally starting to recover from Hamvention, so I hope uh, you were able to enjoy it. And if you couldn't go, I hope you were able to uh, at least enjoy uh, some of the media that uh, were there over Hamvention weekend. And if you missed the show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. And, uh, of course, we're rebroadcast on WTWW 5085 AM Saturday evenings at about 6.30 PM Eastern time. So you can check that out. Uh, one thing coming up, I want to remind you, uh, 100 watts in a wire, or, or as we called it last week, 100 wires in a what? Uh, <clears throat> has a tune-up activity. Uh, it's going to be field day before too long. And tune-up is kind of check out your antennas, get some reports, and and just get on the air, and there are some prizes involved and, and some other things. So that's June 7th through 9th. Uh, so that's coming up. So if you're interested in, in running the tune-up uh, with uh, the 100 watts and a wire, folks, uh, June 7th through 9th is when that will take place. We'll talk more about that um, here in the next couple of weeks as that gets closer. So tonight, uh, Dennis Barrett, uh, Dr. Dennis Barrett in 4ECW is with us. We'll talk about his new book, so get your questions ready to go, and <clears throat> we'll give you the phone number for that. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can give us a call later on in the show uh, after we do the interview, and uh, that phone number to call is 812-650-9556 tonight. Again, 812-650-9556. If 
is the phone number to call, or you can type to us on Twitter. We'll uh, check at Ham Talk Live on Twitter as the night goes on. And if you're on Spreaker, you can type to us on there as well. And if you're listening to the podcast or the rebroadcast over on WTWW, we're not going to be there because it's Thursday night now, and um, you'll be hearing this at a different time. So I'll be back with Dennis right after this word from ICOM America right here on Ham Talk Live. Create your own band opening. ICOM's newest SDR transceiver, the IC9700, is coming soon. This radio is bringing direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. The IC9700 all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features such as dedicated amateur satellite operation, color touchscreen, D-Star capability built right in, RF direct sampling on the 2-meter and 70-centimeter bands, dual independent receivers capable of full duplex operation as well as dual watch and 100 watts max power on 2 meters 75 watts max on 70 centimeters and 10 watts max on 1.2 gigahertz Pack your bags because the Dayton Hamvention is coming up. From May 17th to 19th at the Green County Fairgrounds and Expo Center, you can see the latest and greatest ICOM gear and meet hams from all over the world. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Ham Talk Live, now with 30% less calories and no trans fat. Well, thanks to ICOM for bringing you Ham Talk Live. It was good to hang out with them at Hamvention this past weekend. Uh, obviously, that's not coming up this weekend anymore, but it's good to hang out with them and uh, be at the ICOM booth there for a while. And uh, they were showing off all kinds of good things and, and giving away some stuff, too. My goodness. So, hope you had a chance to uh, check that out. But if you haven't, go over to icomamerica.com slash amateur and you can see all their new goodies well tonight with us is dennis barrett phd a retired engineering and management consultant that resides in land lakes florida he's the author of the science fiction book equinox that has taken amateur and shortwave radio into the cultural mainstream and its version of a Limited Alien Invasion Storyline, and it's uh, the book's available on Kindle, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. So, Dennis, good evening. Welcome to Ham Talk Live. Well, thank you, Neil. I'm I'm excited about being here, and I, I appreciate the invitation, and uh, look forward to, you know, having a discussion with you. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the idea for uh, how this book came about, Equinox. Uh, how did you get the idea to write this? Well, the the book is based on two source materials. One is uh, Revelation chapter 9, is primarily nine, uh, 1 through about 11, where the book speaks about an actual locust invasion of five months and how it will happen and what its effect will be. It doesn't say how it ends up, but apparently it uh, ends up favorably. And then there's a Cherokee rattlesnake prophecy of, of the 1800s, early 1800s, which 
speaks to uh, two constellations being at war, two groups in two constellations being at war. Could very just very well just be uh, astro, you know, an astrological situation. But there's a lot of things in that that that's relevant to this. So one day I decided I would come up with a storyline. I did not intend to write a book. I intended to write a narrative that could be turned into a uh, television show. Uh, and that's what, you know, brought me to this. The ham radio part was, uh, I think, necessary to the storyline because you've got a group of resistance people that's founded at a uh, shortwave station. And shortwave and um, amateur radio seem like logical tools in this um, resistance movement. Okay. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about how ham radio ties into this storyline well it's it's patterned after you the station you have your uh, show broadcast on on saturday afternoons wtww those folks are amateur radio operators who are at a shortwave station i spent time there and uh, they have a radio station there and being a a worldwide uh, uh radio station on the international shortwave uh, they pick up on the situation in Florida, the disaster that's taking place there, and that's they get on the radio, which was an ICOM 7800, by the way. I guess that's the the uh, brand of choice of the resistance. <laughs> and they they talk to some hams in Florida and see what's happening. They begin to report what they've got. There's pretty much a shutdown of the national media and everything because of the nature of the uh, the disaster, the blast, and uh, one of the guys becomes a uh, uh, kind of an actor of sorts. He becomes the colonel, the leader of the resistance, just to kind of talk about. It. Ultimately, becomes the uh, the real colonel that leads the fight. So that was the genesis of it. Ham radio is used through throughout the the book. It's not. It's not a CQ magazine article. Uh, if you want that, you know, Rich puts out a real good magazine. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, my, my, you know, I'm pitching, pitching for Rich. But if you're expecting to go in and find, you know, 50% about ham radio and 50% about the plot line, it's not there. But what it does, I think, is people who are interested in, um, you know, sci-fi, uh, religious fiction, um, alien invasion fiction, science fiction generally, uh, post-apocalyptic fiction. It puts ham radio and shortwave in a very positive light, and it shows, hey, if things really get bad, here's what you can count on. Shortwave radio to keep you informed, and ham radio to keep the people that are on the ground informed. Especially when you know nothing else is available. So I, I think when it when people say it blends science fiction with amateur radio, I think that's a good term. It is it is blended, but it is not it is not exclusive ham radio. It's not one of the books you can buy from ARRL that that you know uh, with the schematics in it. It tells you how to build things. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't tell you how to build the, the ICOM IC7800. So. No, you're not gonna, it's not going to tell you how to build one, but it would tell you it's a good radio, and they use it in a tight. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So you've kind of blended it in and it makes me think of some of the things I do and some of the conversations we have on this show about bringing new people into ham radio and bringing young people, especially into ham radio, because that's, that's pretty much what I do is, uh, you know, you may not get everybody licensed. You may not get, uh, everybody being a ham radio operator, but if they're aware of ham radio and what it does, you know, sometimes those people like, you know, end up on homeowners association boards. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you are exactly right. Neil. One of the things about the, the book Equinox is it's selling to a non ham audience. Um, I, I look in, at the numbers and where they're coming from. The first two weeks, the book was number one in Germany, an English book that was number one in Germany, number two in the UK, number three in the US, number three in Canada, number five in Australia. And it stayed there uh, kind of like a camel's uh, with a lot of humps. It goes up and down, but it's uh, touching a genre that that uh, is not – populated by a lot of ham operators and as i look at at the people that are ham operators that are are buying the book or downloading the book it's a lot of people that that obviously don't read a lot of ebooks and may not read a lot of books generally now i'm not being critical because i prefer to read a, a non-fiction book over a fiction book most of the time but but i think it is getting to a lot of people who who are not in in the avocation, they're not in the hobby, but they do find out that it is important and necessary at, at times. Well, let's talk a little bit about how how the book's doing and how people can get a hold of it. Um, you, you had it out here for just a really a short time, and, and it's really kind of taken off. <clears throat> Neil, we've been out about six weeks, and. Uh, it, it's done great. It, right, just a couple of weeks ago, it dropped a little bit uh, uh, for the last few days. Uh, it's still, you know, still in, you know, the top 25, 20, 25 books in, in the, the genre. But it sold, my wife told me this morning, a little over 7,000 copies. 98% of those are the ebook version and the rest is the paperback version. Um, there are 800,000 to a million current ebooks on Amazon. And they, it's disputed as to whether it's 800,000, 900,000, a million. But I looked before the show, we were 64,000 of all ebooks that they sell. And that puts us in the top 8%. Now, the, when I got to number three in the genre, excuse me, number four in the genre, and I was at number three, the book that that was having the hardest time to overcome was a book written in 1995 by two gentlemen, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. The book's called Left Behind. There's been a, <laughs> a, a movie of it, older movie, and then there was a reboot of that movie in 2014. So... I, in order to get to get on up on the charts in, in the religious fiction, religious science fiction, I've got to get past that those guys, and that's going to be a be a real formidable task. So, I'm yeah, happy. that will. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did There's a lot of fans it. of that Left Behind series. Oh, it's great. It, it's really good. I watched the movie a few weeks ago, the rebooted movie. One thing I wanted to, to talk just a little more about is about criticisms. And there are some valid criticisms about this book. One of the things that, that people found out is when you download this book, I, it's set by Kindle to play on a cell phone, on a, uh, uh, a Kindle, on a computer screen, on a tablet, an iPad. It goes up as a PDF, which locks the format. Nothing can change. When they get it and put it in the, the, the downloadable format, you'll get aberrant spacing in some of the words. You'll get uh, extra line occasionally. It's very distracting. It's not my editing. It, it has nothing to do with me. It's just the way it is. They've discussed this on QRZ thread, and people explain this. But I want to get it out there that it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a romance novel that you sit on the beach and read while you rest. And this is one you need to spend a little time with. And that's that's terrible. If I could do something about that formatting, I would. But if you read it and you like what you're getting, order the, the paperback. I know it's more expensive, but it is formatted perfectly. So there is there's a criticism about that, that that's justified. There's some other criticism. Some people don't really care for the storyline. One guy said that, uh, that, that it wasn't ham radio enough, that he liked to... Uh, to read things like articles in uh, in CQ magazine, so Rich may Rich Moseson may may should go out and pull twenty articles and do like a Sports Illustrated edition. They call it the the the, the best of CQ or something. So <laughs> he was right, you know. In saying what he said, it, it is not a technical ham radio manual, but some of the but if you want to know about the book and you say, okay, this guy's touting his book. Go on QRZ. They've got an article on a thread. <clears throat> There's about 40 comments on it. And I think, that uh, Neil, that would give you a good idea if you hadn't had a chance to read the book uh, or thinking about reading it or spending any money. That would give you a good idea about what how it is and what people like and how they perceive it. And and I live and die by what they say because they're people that are hams and they put their call signs out there they're identifiable online they're not trolls causing problems so <laughs> but i'm real happy with, with everything right now but as as you know if you're doing anything creative in ham radio you better have thick skin because only mommy and daddy are gonna pat you on the head and on the back <laughs> you, you, you're gonna get some criticism if you if you do anything but but sit at home and hunker down now yep. you talk because I talk too right. much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, you know, if, if they want a ham radio story, um, you know, that's, that's about ham radio uh, and, and, and fiction, then it's time to pull out the old uh, CQ ghost ship and, and uh, Death Valley QTH and 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 killed by QRM. But you know, but but you know, now you know there's a there's a there's this place for you know for this and, and working ham radio into normal 
mainstream well i shouldn't say normal because it's sci-fi and i'm a sci-fi fan but but working it into the mainstream so that it doesn't seem like it's just some bunch of weirdos out there that get on on am with their big tube radios you know uh, it's 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 not that way and so it's good to get some of that in the mainstream again not everybody is going to get into ham radio but if they have an awareness of it that can be very helpful i that was my hope by including ham radio and shortwave into the storyline Shortwave, for example, is not a big deal in most of the United States. They're either going to go with satellite radio or terrestrial radio. But in the rest of the world, ham radio, I mean, shortwave is a big deal. The Texan radio company out of China builds 30,000 shortwave sets a day for, you know, different people that market brands, different brands. So there's a lot of people out there listening to shortwave. Apparently, there's there's a lot of people um, uh, reading the, the SWLing uh, magazine or newsletter that um, is, comes out of North Carolina because they mentioned the thing, and I think about half of the ham radio clubs in the, the country tagged their um, you know their article and, and put it on their web pages. So. Shortwave, even though we as hams may not recognize it as being real important, it's really important in the rest of the world. So just because, you know, we don't use it, just like the public doesn't all have ham radio license, you can still appreciate the value and the importance of, of the hobby and the technology. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, Dennis, we're going to take a break here, and then we're going to come back. And uh, we'll see if we have some phone calls and some tweets. So if you have a question, uh, give us a call at 812-650-9556. Or you can tweet us at HamTalkLive. And I'll be back with Dennis right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Thank you for a lovely dinner. Aren't you going to ask me in to solder some PL259s? Well, I do have some from Tower Electronics. How can I refuse? Consider the sophisticated quality of PL259s from Tower Electronics. From soldering supplies to adapters, connectors to cables, and all types of connectors, Tower Electronics has the parts you're looking for. Well? Just one more connector? You know I love your PL259s. Then by all means, take some with you. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. They also have ham sticks, mobile antennas, and meters, too. See the whole catalog. Go to pl-259.com. Tower Electronics, the ham's dime store since 1978. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rap. Well, Tower Electronics is recovering from a busy hamvention. They were, they were cooking. So they're going to be off for a couple of weeks, but then they'll be back out on the road June the 1st in Newberry, Michigan, up in the 
Upper Peninsula. They'll be at the Ham Fest there. And then the Father's Day Fest on June 16th in Monroe, Michigan. Then July 6th, they'll be in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. But you can visit them anytime you want. Just go to pl-259.com. And it's good to see uh, Scott and Jill out there. And and with Hammy, we, we put some more Hammy pictures out there, so you have to check those out. Ham Talk Live's on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at hamtalklive.com. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you'll see some of those pictures from the Dayton Hamvention last weekend. So now it's time for your calls. So... If you've been wanting to ask a question, now's the time to give us a call. It's 812-650-9556. If you have a question or you can tweet us at HamTalkLive, let me give you the number again. It's 812-650-9556. And if you're listening to us on WTWW or on the podcast edition, you won't be able to reach us live, obviously, since uh, we're recorded by that point so uh dennis while we're waiting to see uh some of the the calls here do have a tweet and we can talk a little bit uh about some of the sci-fi stuff here but uh got a note here from bill wz1l from uh amesbury mass and says uh nice to see you at hamvention and it's nice to see stories including amateur radio and we need more so thank you dr barrett for your recent contribution so that's from bill wz1l that's excellent and i appreciate that well let's talk a little bit about science fiction and 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 reality and and we kind of you know gave a little bit of an idea of you know there's an alien invasion here and then radio is used to to do some of the uh, communications, but, uh, one of the things that I've been kind of interested in, I'm, I'm a bit of a sci-fi guy. I, I, I like my, my Star Trek and my Star Wars. I, I like both of them. I'm probably a little closer on Star Trek than Star Wars, but, but, you know, on Independence Day and, you know, some of these things, but I've also got this book being the, the scientist that I am, the, the physics of Star Trek. And so it kind of talks about, okay, what could really happen and, and what's just, there's no way it just, it just doesn't work in the laws of physics. And, and so it's not going to happen, but you know, in, in society, I see a lot of, you know, devices, you know, communicators, you know, well, now we have cell phones and, and so it kind of leads us into reality. So with your story, do you, do you see any, anything, you know, maybe that could actually happen out of this someday? Well, let me make one comment and say that you and I like the same kind of, of science fiction, but Really, we're not pure science fiction aficionados. Real people who follow the genre worry more about the real science and possibilities with real science and less about the storyline. If you were like the big threes, probably Robert Heinlein, uh, Isaac Asimov, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, and then in our time lately, Orson Scott Card. Um, but you, you know, Star Trek is, 
Roddenberry pitched it as wagon train to the stars. If you look at Star Wars, it's more fantasy than science fiction because it starts out a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and none of the aliens or anything like that are 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 reality, at least as far as we know. And you know, Stargate, which is connecting two wormholes and traveling around, kind of more like uh, uh, the old Western Paladin or How Gun Will Travel. So we're in a, an arena to where we're more uh, try to be more entertaining than just science. But in in my story, they do develop some new technology that has to do with scrambling radio frequencies and bringing down screens. And there's some discussion about the way they build a dome over uh, the state of Florida that's impenetrable, uh, but it's actually not. It's just you can't see through it. It, in other words, they fix it reflecting light where it, it kind of, uh, I guess it masks the state. But the real thing about this one is if you read the book, Neil, the book's based on Revelation 9, which predicts the, a locust invasion that this book is based on. If you, in the, the prologue, discusses whether that is a symbolic passage and why it would be but then there's people who believed it was literal and the colonel the main character he always thought it was symbolic till they showed up uh could 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 it happen could the locust actually show up and cause trouble it very well could it did in the book but there's a line of reasoning that that it's 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 symbolic and it's not going to happen so I'll leave that to, to the the Bible folks and the sci-fi folks to figure out if they're coming or not. <laughs> but uh, they, they're very creative in the ways that they do things in the book. A lot of low-tech things that will shock you, a lot of twists and turns. There's not a lot of subplots because, you know, on television, you, you're pretty well straightforward, linear in, in the presentation. But... Could it happen? May possibly. Uh, could the technology that's being developed in the book actually be technology that you could mask uh, a whole state? Well, more relevant, could you mask a vehicle, make it virtually invisible to to the eye or or to uh, a camera? Uh, yes, I'm sure that. Uh, that they're doing that out at, at Wright Patterson and at Air Fifty One, and they're probably thirty years ahead of what you and I think is cool right now. So um, I think this one is more about a storyline than it is uh, sometime in the future going to spin off a, uh, a Star Trek pad that turns into uh, fifty years later an iPad. So, but that's the reason I watch. That's the reason I read sci-fi. That's the reason I watch sci-fi. I want to see what these guys come up with creatively. Sounds like we may have to get Dr. Chip Cohen, W1YW, in here on the on this cloaking thing since he invented the, the RF cloak, so he can hide uh, hey, hide all kinds of stuff. <laughs> W1YW, I'm going to tell a story on him. He actually downloaded the book, read the book, and left very complimentary remarks about the book on the QRZ 
thread. And I was quite uh, humbled by by that. So, uh, you know, I didn't go out and solicit him. I don't know him personally, but he did that. And, and it, it just gives you a good feeling. I mean, you you, you want to hear stuff like that. Well, that's so, great. But uh, you you kept letting me talk, and you wouldn't oh, stop. That, that's what that's what you're supposed to do on this show. It's called Ham Talk Live, so we well, that's we what we do. Well, if you want to talk, give us a call. It's eight one two six five zero nine five five six, and we'll uh, keep uh, the doctor around here for just a little bit longer. So, if you want, give us a call eight one two six five zero nine five five six, or you can tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, Dennis, you you've got some, you know some insights on, on people who are, are getting into the, the sci-fi thing. And, and so, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, maybe who your, your target audience is for this kind of a book. Well, let me, you know, I always hate people that, you know, General Patton said there's lies, worse lies. I won't say exactly what he said and statistics. And I've always been afraid of people that would get up and quote statistics if they didn't reveal their sources. So my source in this, on this point is uh, the short, uh, the science fiction writers of America um, who have, who was articles would have been written by Orson Scott Card and the Boker reviews. They're, they're the one that helps uh, uh, authors and, and publishers and, you know, they'll help you do what you need to do. But both of those groups say that the largest number of readers in sci-fi is 18 to 50 years old but as after the age approaches 55 it starts declining the number from from 50 uh from 55 to 60 and 65 it goes down about 10 percent so there's not a lot of us old spark gappers out there sitting around reading sci-fi. Maybe we're watching it on TV, but, but we're not buying the books. As a genre, sci-fi is, is if you go to a bookstore, Books of Me and Barnes & Noble, go look at the sci-fi section. You say, man, they got a lot of sci-fi books there. Well, look at the titles and you find out it's more fantasy than it is sci-fi. Maybe 80% fantasy type books and 20% sci-fi because... Now they call it, for the most part, sci-fi and fantasy. And another statistic, I got this one from um, from Amazon itself, confirmed by Boker, 48% of all science fiction books, whether paperback or ebook or audio book, are bought on Amazon, 48%. Uh, sci-fi writers say that you know the the number the the their income has gone down considerably because there's uh, less people buying science fiction books and you know you can get into philosophy of why that is but um, I think and here's where you get a little opinion I think that all the the sci-fi technology that's easily understandable has been mined or used. And we get into things now uh, in, in physics, and you're a science guy, uh, 
you know, you talk about super colliders and the, the God particle and all these things. Uh, it's hard to write a book on the emerging science that people can easily understand and read and it be entertaining. Uh, and I think, you know, that's, and of course, you could say, well, you guys are not as good as the big three, and I'm the first one to admit that. Um, but uh, there's a lot of reasons, but, but science fiction is still a good genre. It's just not the top two or three genres. Okay, very good. Well, if you have a question, give us a call, 812-650-9556. We're going to finish things up here in just a couple of minutes, so give us a call. Um, Dennis, I, I want to at least mention here before we uh, we close things down tonight, uh, some of your ham radio past with uh, with antennas and, and, and selling antennas and, and building antennas, and you've had a couple of companies. Tell us a little bit about Transworld and, and Horizon. Well, in uh, around, you know, 2003, 2002, I, I came up with the idea we need a small, stealthy, uh, almost invisible antenna that worked off the ground that was easy to, you know, service, set up, take down, and that the HOA police wouldn't come and haul you off with. So I had an engineer by the name of Richard Rhodes. To let you know Richard, who Richard Rhodes is, if you saw the, the next to the last Star Trek movie, they introduced a little robot called BB-8. It was like a little orange ball for the head and an orange ball for the body. He invented that and took it, and, and his company out of Colorado took it to um, Walmart, and you could go for a few hundred dollars and have your own BB-8. It did quite well. Of course, he does other real robotic products, too. But we, I told Richard what I wanted, and, and he, he said it wouldn't work, and I said, it's your job to make it work. You know, I'm paying you. So we came up with an antenna in a modified H form. It looks like a, a giant capital I, about six foot tall, with uh, uh, about um, 30, 36, about five foot arm at the top and five foot arm at the bottom, and they were foldable. And we put induction coils and relays, 12 volt relays, in a box. So when you switch the relay with a control box, you can make the antenna electrically longer or shorter based on the band, and you could tune it by. Uh, separating slightly the, the induction coils or pushing them closer together. And it was a hit. It would channel 1,500 watts without any problem. It had a 17-degree takeoff angle, which meant your signal would go as far as possible before it hit this curvature of the earth and shot skyward. So you'd get the maximum power on the first bounce it was low noise. It did not require radials. <clears throat> we released it, and and it re met with a lot of skepticism. The thing I heard was, well, it's a compromised antenna. It's a half-wave vertical dipole. How's it a compromised antenna? So we had to fight that. But ultimately, it, it did well. We added other single-band <clears throat> antennas, 30-meter, 40-meter, 60-meter, uh, I made 80 meter, which I shouldn't have, but 
I was going to be lynched if I didn't, because <laughs> as you know, the law of physics eventually catches up with you. So, <clears throat> but it was efficient for about fifty uh, kilohertz width. So most people talk on a frequency on eighty meters, don't move around a lot. We probably sold eight thousand antennas, wildly successful. The reviews on Eham and when I would talk to people were great. Um, I had so many other things going. I sold the company to my uh, father-in-law, and he was too old to run it. He ran it a couple of years, and he said, I want to give it back to you. And I said, no, let's get somebody else. So DX Engineering took it over, and uh, they've been doing well with it, and uh, they've been very pleased with what happens, and it is a great antenna. And I don't get a penny for that testimonial. No, <laughs> all right well we've got we do have a couple of questions that have come in here on twitter so let's uh let's jump back over to the to the uh sci-fi stuff here for a second brett wy7bg uh wants to know do you think that the movie and tv industries have ruined science fiction by commercializing it and or watering it down intellectually and we kind of touched on that a little bit well let's let's take a i'm, I'm gonna answer his question but i have to get there let's take a look at a, an alien invasion storyline okay why do aliens invade the earth well number one they want to steal our water that doesn't make sense because if they've got technology to come here and steal our water they can grab a comet melt it and get all the liquid water they want without the grief they'd have to put up with for coming here. So I don't like that storyline. The second thing, they come here to enslave us. Do you really think as much grief as a human race is, particularly ham radio operators, that aliens want anything to do with us? They probably roll up the windows on their spaceships when they drive by and tell their kids, be quiet, we're at Earth. So <laughs> stuff, they're going to have artificial intelligence, robotics. That that don't fly. And the third thing is they come down to harvest us and eat us, like in the series V. And I say, well, we probably taste like chicken. That may be the most viable one of, of all. Uh, but I think we've worn out the storylines, and we're not creative with the storylines. And it's more about... Uh, it's more about making money, not that there's anything wrong with that, than it is really producing a creative story. But let me say this, Neil. I've got five different production companies looking at doing something with Equinox. They tell me to do this thing the right way. It will be somewhere around $1.8 million dollars for a 45-minute episode, which is an hour program. And, you know, they've got to get a return. They've got to make, you know, sell the, the action figures and the, the cups at Burger King and McDonald's. It's, it's a fact of life. So he's right. They've dumbed it down. The storylines are not creative. But what else are they going to do? Uh, but he's, he's 100% right. He is. All right. Well, thanks, Brett, for your question. And uh, Carl, KD9HQT, says, uh, 
his suggestion is that the the book should be in CW ready. Do you think you can pull that uh, off? Actually, I probably could. Uh, <laughs> uh, Amazon has got a company that that ACX that turns books into uh, into audio books, and they. Um, and they're doing it right now, and I don't know how good it's going to be. It, 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 the guy that that they sent to me is pretty good, but that's not a bad idea. Uh, is to do it that way, uh, or maybe even CW. Uh, but but that's a novel approach. I think there are a lot of hams that would prefer it to be in that format. <laughs> so that's a good. Now, I like that. Now that that takes care of your formatting stuff. issues. Yeah, it would solve them a lot. <laughs> of course, it may take you uh, a few days to copy it, but that's right. No, we could put it Who up knows? on the, we could put it up on a, a podcast or something and, and let it play and and there you uh, go. they could get it in in uh, we call it in spurts. I'm told that this book is seven and a half hours of audio book. That's what they tell me based on how many words it is and everything. So. Uh, Maybe maybe CW would uh, if you could copy fast enough or really you could you could maybe uh, uh, be able to cut that way down from seven and a half hours. <laughs> well, Dennis, it's been uh, been a pleasure to have you here on the show, and uh, good luck with the book. Hope it uh, continues to do well, and and your audio book that'll be coming up, and and thanks for for coming on and telling us all about this book. I really appreciate you having me, Neil. I appreciate the folks listening and the, the folks that, that uh, wrote in and had commentary. I love hams. I love ham radio. I love being around hams. But they're just like other groups of people, there's some at times you could really just reach out and choke them. But, but <laughs> that's just the way life is. So I'm, I'm going to have thick skin. I'm going to I'm gonna stand there and take the slings and arrows and uh, – uh, who knows? There might be a sequel to Equinox one of these days. Well, there you go. Well, congratulations on the book, and uh, again, uh, wish your uh, continued success with it. Thank you, Neil. All right. Well, that is a wrap for this week's Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Dr. Dennis Barrett in for ECW and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and typing in tonight. And uh, we invite you back next week, Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, just go over to hamtalklive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us uh, get the word out about the show a little bit faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375. And may the good DX be yours.